and welcome to The Hill Is Always Greener. It's the Sonic Podcast, a brand new exciting thing on the internet that's never happened before. Uh, we're all a bunch of nerds and we're old and that's the beginning of the podcast officially. Hooray! I, I can't disagree with any of these statements. Uh, I am Falero, otherwise known as Chris. I am known for doing things on the internet occasionally. Oh yeah, I should actually just... Well, great. First swear of the night. That's a good start. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Rock the Jake. I also go by Jake, uh, if you couldn't tell. Um, I would have guessed. Yeah, I know, right? It's uh, shocking revelations on this first episode. Of of course, we're all we've all worked together for Sonic F and the Sonic Shorts and other things. Uh, I have my own YouTube channel, Rock the Jake. These days, I usually just do a lot of drumming stuff. I think it was either last year or the year before, I did a cover of What I'm Made Of. So that's my most recent contribution to the Sonic community. <laughs> Are we talking about our contributions already? Oh, man. I'll be here all day. No. I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> or I no, did mean to. But... It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Hi, I'm uh, Jeremy, uh, also known as Game Buddy. Uh, sometimes with a one, two, three at the end. And I have done lots of voice work. Uh, I played Sonic in a lot of Sonic shorts and on Sonic F. And, well, gosh darn it, I just love that little blue hedgehog. All right, I am Cyberlink420, I also known as Luke. I had four lines in Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged once. That's probably my greatest achievement. And Griffin McElroy called me a sweet boy that one time, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's on his Twitter bio. It is. Like, you, you want me to, I can dig up the video and everything. But, <laughs> but I guess, aside from that, people will most know me as the co-creator of Sonic F. Like, essentially, all of us are related to Sonic and Sonic F, the series, the the Sonic Paradox abridged series. But we were all got our start with Sonic Paradox. That was uh, in the Sonic shorts and so forth. That's where I was making uh, various animations uh, when I was doing animations. Those were the days. <laughs> many, and, uh, many years and at least one screen name ago. It's true. <laughs> uh, but these days, uh, we still, like, even though the Sonic Sonic is part of our past, he's part of our present, probably part of our future, I don't think we're ever going to get rid of him. Um, that's why we all decided to get together and talk about him uh, for extended periods of time, I think. And basically, like, every time, like, the four of us get together to, you know, hang out, have a conversation, we inevitably go end off going on some tangent for literally hours at a time, usually relating back to Sonic. So it's like, we kind of decided, well, we're already doing this anyway. Why don't we record ourselves while we do it? And and if... I can just lay it all out at the top here, folks, and I can ultimately only speak for myself, but as far as being Sonic fans go, we're also all very, very old Sonic fans, <laughs> and sometimes um, sometimes when it comes to interacting with the Sonic fandom as a whole, especially nowadays with modern social media and their uh, terrible algorithms designed to make us all uh, hate each other, <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to talk about Sonic when you're such an ancient fan and don't really understand <laughs> what these uh, hip young kids mean when they talk about games they grew up with. Um, and you look up and they mean a game that came out in 2008 when they were five years old and I was in college. Woof. The ghost wisps are not the only thing that are jaded here. 
Yes, but I know the the goal the goal of this podcast is definitely to keep it nice and chill. We're not we're not going to start rattling our sabers and clutching our aching backs about kids these days. <laughs> no, we'll clutch our aching backs for entirely different reasons. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't have the greatest yeah. posture right now in my chair, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're we're all old. Uh but I feel like the fact that we can still enjoy Sonic the Hedgehog uh, speaks to our inner youth in a way. Um, that's what I'm. Cho- that's what I'm choosing to tell myself every time I have a heated debate about Sonic the Hedgehog. I think that's a great segue to talk about how how did we get our start with Sonic? Like when? What was the first piece of Sonic media or or something else that caused us to latch onto that guy? Maybe we should ask our youngest our youngest member of the the podcast. Me. Yeah, the little guy, <laughs> little guy, little Jake. Uh, little guy at 31 years old. <laughs> Comparatively. Comparatively, yeah. yes. Comparatively, yeah. you're basically a kid. I am. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny you say that because, like, I, at some point I wanted to mention that, like, you, all three of you know, like, way more of, like, just, like, the media lore of Sonic than I do. Whereas I've just been a fan of, like, the games, the comics, movies, music, etc. for just basically a lot of my life uh, my role on the show is kind of like the the starry-eyed wonder child who like can contribute but also just sits back and listens just like i didn't know that <laughs> the well-adjusted normal person oh, <laughs> with a with a rich inner life outside of sonic the hedgehog <laughs> god what must that be like but yeah i guess uh my first exposure to sonic was uh, i actually remember it really well i was in elementary school i want to say it was second grade uh, and there was just like some free time one day and I was in like the main hall of my school, not main hall, like cafeteria. And it must've been like close to summer. Cause it was like a really free day where nothing was happening. And there was a TV with a Sega Genesis and somebody was playing Sonic two. And I just remember watching it and I was just like, this is cool. But I think the first Sonic game that I actually like beat all the way, like all the story, not like hundred percent completion, but like the story and everything was probably Sonic adventure, honestly. So did you did you own a Dreamcast? Yeah, I um when I like I, I was already a big Sonic fan at the time. Uh, like I had watched some of the cartoons, and I was reading the comics, and I was able to like play some of the older games at friends' houses. And the Dreamcast had been out for a little while, and I I think yeah, it was around the time Sonic Adventure Two was coming out, and I was super excited for it. And back at the time, I actually sold my N64 so that I could have enough money to buy a Dreamcast and then Sonic Adventure 2. I remember doing that with a couple of consoles where (laughs) I told myself, hey, I have the new one now. I can sell all my old stuff. I'll never regret it. (laughs) You certainly won't be going out of your way to buy those old ones back now. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool, though, that somebody just had had it set up at uh, in free period, the, the Genesis on a TV. Yeah, yeah, it just... I just remember like watching it and be like just enjoying it. Like it wasn't. I'm not gonna say it was like an explosion in my mind of like, whoa, what is this? But you know, just as a kid, I was just like, it drew my attention. Like the colors were cool, the gameplay was cool, and you know, I was already uh, a gamer child at that point. So uh, my my very first video game, and we don't have to all say this, but my very first video game was Donkey Kong Country. So on the Super Nintendo. Ooh. So I was always a Nintendo kid. I remember, I think it was like 1990, uh, I know my mom and dad found an NES at a garage sale of all places. Fast forward, when the Super Nintendo came out, and I wanted that with the new Mario, and I think I got it for a birthday 
and played, uh, goodness, I even remember, up to, what is it, Donut Plains in Super Mario World, and something happened to it. Uh, the oh. game crashed, um, it, like, deleted my progress, it wouldn't turn back on. Oh no, this is and a creepypasta. All <laughs> <laughs> and all my mom knew to do was to take it back to the store. Like, we hadn't even had it for, like, a week. And they had no Super Nintendos to exchange it with. But what they did have for roughly the same price that they were going to trade us fair and square was a Sega Genesis with Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And I couldn't tell you if I had heard of Sonic before that. I said, okay, let's give it a shot. And basically the rest was history. So you're in the the stall with them. The guy was like, he tickled this. This is Mario. And you're like, no, I want Sonic. (laughs) (laughs) You lived Uh, the commercial. Yeah, I mean, it literally was. Well, it was like, okay, if they had had the Super Nintendo with the Mario pack in, that's what I would have left the store with because Mm. that's what it broke. But they didn't have Mario, so they were like, hey, kid, what about this? We just got this in. This guy's called Sonic. What? (laughs) And so, yeah, took home that Genesis with Sonic 2, and like I said, the rest is history. (laughs) Well, mine... I, I can tell you, like, this may surprise some of you. I never owned a Sega system growing up, ever. What? So I, but what I did have was a bunch of shitty old computers with DOS on them. So I got my start playing video games like, you know, CD Man and like early Wolfenstein 3D, which I probably shouldn't have been playing at that time. <laughs> like... You know, even educational stuff like Reader Rabbit and all those old games. Uh, but I remember that you know, since I never had a Sega had a Sega console or any kind of console actually, uh, I didn't really have the experience of buying the game or anything. But at that time, when I was maybe three years old, I had to. My parents left me with a babysitter pretty frequently, and we had a regular babysitter and. She had a Genesis with Sonic 1. And for little two or three-year-old me, I was just completely blown away by the thing. I only ever got past maybe Act 1 or 2 of Green Hill, but just every time my mind was completely blown. And it was around that time that the cartoons started airing, and that's what really got me deep into Sonic. I remember... Like, every morning, watching Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog on my local UPN affiliate, back when that was still a thing, watching the set AM on ABC every weekend, and that was really what latched on. And over time, you know, I had friends who had genocide. Uh, Would that be the term? I don't Whoa. know. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry. I thought you said a completely different word. Um, <laughs> What were your friends committing? Um, no. <laughs> Sa- save, th- save that for the episode about uh, rightfully cut and renamed Sonic Zones. <laughs> yeah, so I would play the later Sonic games on their systems. That's how I got to experience, you know, Sonic 2, Sonic 3, Sonic and Knuckles. Even, like, I played Sonic Game World at a friend's house once or twice, which was a real hmm. surreal experience. Oh, Just wow. knowing that somebody had a Pico, but I'm sure we'll get to that in a future episode. <laughs> Hey, I've got one up in the closet. Fair. <laughs> the rightful place for it. But like I said, I played exclusively on PC until 1998. Yeah, Christmas of 98 when I got my Game Boy Color. 
But that was how I played my Sonic games, was they put out those PC ports. So the first Sonic game I ever owned was the PC version of Sonic 3D Blast, which is a hell of a game to start off with, I guess. Yeah. Goodness. What an experience for yeah. the first Sonic experience. Not even Sonic the screensaver? Not even. <laughs> like that that was based on the Saturn version with only a few minor changes here and there. So like the people who are all attached to like the Genesis soundtrack and everything, I'm like, why? But yeah, that that was the first one. Then I got Sonic CD on PC a year later, which again goes back to my weird perception of why do people keep saying that Sonic CD is like this weird thing that nobody ever played? I've had it when I was a kid. And then, you know, from there, especially after you know, Sega went third party, which again is going to probably be an episode in and of itself. That just kind of continued to cement my interest in Sonic. And then I found online fandom and the rest is history. Guess I might as well talk about me now. Oh boy. Please. So, cause you're the, you the Americans. I'm from the UK in case that wasn't obvious. And we had a different Sonic world. Uh, no, as, uh, as I have been learning over the last couple of years. <laughs> Yeah, thanks to Chris and Dave on oh, another great podcast. Um, yeah, so I yeah because I started off with video games. Like my parents were always buying new little consoles and then trading them in for other ones. We had a few. We had like a Commodore, I think, a Spectrum. We had a uh, and we did have the Super Nintendo at one point because I really wanted to play Super Mario World. But uh, at one point, we ended up with the Sega Mega Drive, as it was still called over here, uh, with Sonic One. And that was my first experience, the first game. Not on the, not on when it was first released. Uh, Sonic 2 was at the time, it was around 93. But yeah, I started with Sonic 1, which is a heck of a starting point, because that game's hard, lads! Yeah, it uh, is! That is not the, it, they were just getting used to... Sonic was still getting his sea legs, so to speak, and it was a tricky one. I distinctly remember getting up to Marble Zone and being, like, hopelessly stuck and having to call up my uncle who'd beaten that part... And the thing is, I I didn't because I didn't know you had to push a block to get, proceed. Uh, so that was that was something. Uh, then we got in. Then Sonic Two happened, and then you know, and this could have been like a game series that I could have like enjoyed but set aside. But then Sonic the comic came flying into my <laughs> into the dining room on the on the table right in front of me, and suddenly I I was introduced into a whole new aspect of Sonic's world that that grasped me forever. And uh, yeah, I think that is a big part of the reason why I I still like Sonic so much. The games are fantastic, but also having this like essentially companion piece in Sonic the Comic specifically. And when I say that, I mean Sonic the Comic as in that's the title, not the Sonic comic as some people might think. This isn't Archie, lads. This is what you guys call <laughs> Fleetway. <laughs> uh, it's also not Fleetway. <laughs> it's <laughs> Although that, that's that's part of the reason I, I I love the concept of this this show we're doing is we have uh, multiple perspectives because, yeah, I grew up just hearing I, I don't think I heard of Sonic the comic until Sonic message boards. And then yeah. it was called, yeah, you know, the Fleetway Sonic, the one, the British one where he's mean all the time. <laughs> you, know, I mean, the, it, you know, the weird one, the weird yeah. one, they say with their furry fan fiction. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, in retrospect, it makes sense that everybody goes Fleetway because it's like, you know, you call the... We I at the time I didn't know it was called Sonic the Comic. I thought it was just you know Sonic the Hedgehog like the Archie series. So I'm just like, okay, well yeah, you use the same, you use call it by the company name just to distinguish. You know, the same way that like Transformers mm -hmm. fans will talk about you know uh, Marvel and Dreamwave and IDW and whoever else instead of whatever the title is. 
Mm-hmm. But that was the, the misunderstanding was that it was just a Sonic book. It was not. It was like a it was a, a games magazine for young ones like myself that sort of like gave you a little glimpse at all of Sega. Just technically, it should have been the Sega comic, but Sonic the comic sounds cooler, and Sonic is right there on the cover, and he's the main reason we're reading it, I suppose. Marketable. Yeah. <laughs> so there, that's that's it. Um, Sonic the comic is a big reason why I'm even doing this right now. Yeah, I didn't realize until years later that it was, you know, a proper magazine. Like, you know, the only real comparison point I would have had at that time would be, like, you know, go back to early issues of Nintendo Power when they would occasionally print comics inside the magazine. But this was, you know, kind of the inverse for yeah. the most part. And that's, I think that's definitely, uh, you know, part of our goal with this show in general is just to reminisce and share and you know, bring together like our very different perspectives on Sonic as a whole, not just the games, but yeah, I know all of us like have consumed the cartoons and the various books. And I I know we definitely want to, we want to like talk about each one of those, even stuff that like, I don't think any of us have read like the really obscure, uh, like early manga where like Sonic's dad is a fighter pilot and (laughs) stuff like that. We were, we were joking about it, but yeah, we definitely want this show to be a relaxing, just trip down Sonic memory lane from, uh, like some older fans who find it a little, a little difficult to engage with the huge varied, uh, Sonic fandom that is online now <laughs> driving driving itself crazy waiting for uh waiting for new game details and the thing about you know a franchise like sonic where it's been around for 30 plus years is that there's always something new to learn even for oldies like us so you know in the same way that it's a lot about reminiscence and sharing those perspectives it's also about kind of opening us up to find out new stuff about this thing that we really enjoy that we might not have known either just because that information isn't easily accessible or because, you know, one of us might have a different perspective on it than the other that we hadn't considered. Even in the past, like the past year, I've learned so many new things just from people that are outside of my perspective on Sonic, people that do, uh, you know, translation comparisons and dig into like the data of the games. And I'm just endlessly thankful for people that, uh, do that and just share it with the community as a whole because it's very very neat stuff yeah we all come from different places uh we've all had like a different introduction to sonic we just we just like discussed that like everyone had a different start yeah um and there's so much to talk about from the, from what we've learned like um we're old people like we there's no getting past that we're old <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, 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 we, but, but our, our experiences are varied significantly even though we're in a general sort of age range yeah and i think that's why um as far as the uh the show topic we wanted to focus on today i think Part of the reason we chose that is because it is such a sticking point with a lot of fans our age. And so that's why (laughs) we decided to officially entitle the topic um, Sonic. He's had a rough transition into 3D. (laughs) 
the quintessential the quintessential topic for all youtube videos about sonic the hedgehog oh challenge yes. for every game reviewer listening try to start a sonic review without saying those words anywhere in the first two paragraphs part of what we wanted to talk about is yeah when the sonic games i get the big one is sonic adventure but before that you had little experiments um with the saturn which uh God, could probably be a whole conversation on its yes. own that poor console <laughs> Um, but yeah, just Sonic came out as a 2D platformer, very akin to Mario, but the whole thing was that he was faster and cooler and more focused on, you know, mastering those level layouts and puzzles so you could come back and do them as quick as possible. And how how do you translate that into an open three-dimensional game it's much easier to have like a momentum-based game where you're bouncing around from things uh, and hazards and so forth and inclines and slopes and everything when you're on a 2d space uh that's tricky when you expand out into the third dimension again i my first game i owned was sonic 3d blast you do not need to tell me these things <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would have been like right before super mario 64 came out and i think that was kind of the big one that shattered the illusion for me yeah, and that that is one of those comparisons that gets brought up all the time with early platformers, including Sonic Adventure, is does it hold the candle to Super Mario 64 or, you know, similarly like uh, Ocarina of Time, Zelda 64, basically doing that same thing of taking this game that was always on a flatter plane and how do you translate that into such a wildly different style? And uh, Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, those examples you gave. Pretty, pretty good job, I think. Pretty good job. Pretty, pretty, you know, games. <laughs> people just can't stop talking about how great they are, you know. Yeah. I, I, I know some people are into it, you know, I don't really see it. <laughs> uh, Sonic Adventure, on the other hand, uh, the beginning of all this, less so, I think. For In general, I think the general consensus from a lot of people is... Um, Sonic Adventure, well, hence the very reason we're having this discussion, the rocky, the so-called rocky transition to 3D. Um, I feel like there's a, a lot of people out there who do not care for Sonic Adventure's uh, attempts into the 3D, uh, the 3D world, so to speak. I remember my own memories of picking up the Dreamcast on September 9th, 1999, oh, at, the, our, at our local Babbage's in the mall. Um, and being, uh, you know, being a young kid, I was, uh, well, I think it was 10 or yeah, 10 about to be 11 and, you know, it blowing my mind in the same way that Super Mario 64 did. And I remember reading, um, you know, the few game magazines I had access to that were pretty, that, you know, gave pretty glowing reviews to Sonic Adventure. Um, I remember there would be caveats like, oh, you know you play through a lot of the same levels and uh you know it did seem weird to throw a fishing mini game in the sonic game <laughs> <laughs> but um i think it's worth bringing up that i don't think the the modern take on sonic adventure really took off until the re-releases on the gamecube mm. and the original pc version i think a lot of that is due to just the fact that those ports are kind of pretty seriously flawed in their own ways. <laughs> and I think that the fact that we've continued to get kind of 
shoddy ports of that moving forward has at least partially been a big factor in that kind of reevaluation of Sonic Adventure and its overall quality. It's not just like, you know, it's a port of a port every time and the ports get progressively worse as they like yeah. run mm-hmm. it through the wash. <laughs> it, it's, like, it's like when you keep, you know, uploading and saving a JPEG, you, you, know, you keep losing quality every yes. single time. We're going to get to the the equivalent of like a one by one pixel version of the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that'll probably, uh, when we talk about some of these, some of these games that have multiple ports is unfortunately that'll keep coming back up is that some of them just aren't very good. Like they, they specifically made the decision when they put Sonic Adventure on the GameCube, which uh, Sonic Adventure DX, which is the version that I think you can still get on PC, which has been yes. uh, changed slightly, but to make like a lot of changes. And I won't go into all of those because there are definitely, uh, definitely like entire sites dedicated on how to mod that PC version to be better that point out all these changes. But yeah, I did a lot of stuff that like straight up like broke the lighting engine so the characters look different and changed the models to i guess kind of look in between sonic adventure and sonic adventure 2 they just basically forged them all out of plastic it was great yeah they look really plasticky like tried to tried to change the camera and ended up making it worse and introduced a lot of glitches uh that aren't present in like the the original dreamcast version like there are lots of uh playthroughs you can look up by you know big name youtube guys that will all have the same glitches because they are playing either like the gamecube version or the uh you know the unmessed with pc version and it just it's just kind of unfortunate that i think a lot some of the turning on the original sonic adventure is from like bad versions that sega thought were okay to put out you know, bad versions that get Let's Plays online that get shared all over the place. But anyway. True, true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, you, you can't argue with that, that that is also, like, part of the... Uh, that is part of it, is that it's more interesting on the surface if a game is really, really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people make jokes about it, but it's like... It's like watching a... You're driving on the interstate and you see a car crash and, like, something's on fire and you're just like oh yeah what's more interesting to rubber neck at a flaming car crash or a fender bender (laughs) (laughs) another change that sonic adventure ushered in was kind of uh unifying the uh the japanese and like the uh american and i guess some of the yeah some of the british continuities where the bad guy shows up in his with his robots and everybody's calling him Dr. Eggman. Oh, that was a, that was a weird one because like, I feel like they called him Eggman in the dialogue, but I feel like all of the marketing and manuals and stuff still called him Robotnik. So as somebody who did not immediately like play through all of adventure, when it came out, when adventure two rolled around and advanced rolled around and, you know, everybody was calling him Eggman constantly. I'm like, I, I, when, when did this happen? I, did it I miss was, something? It was a transition. Um, yeah. And if you listen to Sonic Adventure 1, he does refer to himself as Dr. Robotnik, but the characters insist on calling him Eggman like an insult. So naturally, falling to this, he decides, you know what? I'm going to take that back for myself. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, which makes sense. The problem was that I missed the transitional game. So. Right. <laughs> you know what? I am the Eggman. That's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice, a nice little bit of translation um, that they would kind of adopt officially in uh, Sonic Adventure Two. It's like Robotnik is his proper family surname. It's. It, I feel like like Robotnik and Eggman is just one of the aspects of it. There was, I feel like there was a lot going on in the story. Like maybe it's not like significant now. These days, a lot of this stuff is just accepted. But seeing like Tails being the the smart one, other than you know, we're used to seeing him flying a, a the tornado, or well, actually, it was just the biplane for the longest time. We didn't know it was called the tornado. But seeing him being the guy with like the gadgets and everything was a bit of a jump for a lot of us. Like, because uh, he was just Sonic's little little bro. He was the little guy. And especially, I suppose that's coming from me as the British person who's used to Tails being a little bit dim, shall we put it, <laughs> being the pixel brain. <laughs> that is another part of it, is that it it started like the archetypes of what these Sonic characters would go on to be. You know, you had lots of Sonic media, the cartoons and the comics, and Sonic was always understood to be a cool teenager in the 1990s. <laughs> More radical Bart Simpson with superpowers. He was a hedgehog with attitude. Yes. And all the other characters seem to like, you basically had the little blurbs that would get localized in the video game manuals. And then what the media, the, the other Sonic media kind of like chose to do with that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, until Sonic Adventure, like you said, Tails was very much just a, a cute little kid that followed Sonic around and wasn't like the, you know, boy genius that we know he is today. And uh, I feel like Knuckles probably got the most different interpretations. Mm. Like, uh, I remember when he first started showing up and stuff, he was like Sonic, but I'm sure lots of people would say Sonic, but a little cooler yeah. and like different and like yes does get tricked by dr robotnik but you know definitely wasn't um he's not a dummy dumb he's not a big old dummy dumb head which is uh maybe how he eventually be became portrayed as well to be to be fair he became portrayed that way after you know fandom has spent a better part of a decade portraying him as such because everybody gets flanderized and you know fan mm. art and fanfics and stuff but the more I think about it, the more I like think the whole like kind of reconciliation of Robotnik and Eggman into one thing is such a rarity where, you know, if you look back, there were a lot of games that would, you know, change character names and backstories and stuff during the transition from, you know, the original Japanese language to English or sometimes even vice versa. And it's rare that you it feels rarer that you see the two kind of get reconciled together instead of just one version, usually the original Japanese winning out. Like, you know, you go back, Bowser is still called Bowser instead of Koopa. And uh, in uh, America, Street Fighter, you know, we're still running on the Bison Vega Balrog switch up while also at the same time, occasionally mixing stuff back together, like, you know, Charlie and Nash. But it's rare that you tr see, like, while it's definitely a little more Japanese skewing in that regard, it's rare that you see such a, like, concerted effort to try and take bits and pieces of the stories from both sides of the ocean and try to combine them into one that more or less tries to hit all the important beats for everybody. 
Yeah, I think the only, like, other example is Princess Peach, which is in, like, in, in the transition to 3D, um, she calls herself Princess Toadstool Peach, and that's it. For, for, for the rest of time, she's Princess Peach. I think that is really interesting. I, I would like to think it was a concerted effort, and I think that probably probably speaks to Sonic has always been, um, at least this is apocryphal, I, I'll say that up that, that Sonic has been very popular as a worldwide figure, and not just in Japan, or even just in uh, America, um, and so I wonder if that played a part in them saying like, hey, let's, you know, let's transition this, but let's, let's try and let's uh, not throw it all away and start let's all over. some synergy for once. You got, you guys yeah. are doing some weird stuff over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to yeah. be fair, and, yes. And, you know, the stories we've always heard is that Sonic is far more popular in the West than he ever has been in Japan. Mm. So it kind of makes sense that that would be the version that, you know, they would at least, you know, even at the surface level, try to drive a little bit of, uh, you know, emphasis towards just because that's the market where the franchise makes its most money. Sonic is quite, like, Sonic's meant to be American. Like, if if you ever hear, like, his Japanese voice actor always busting out English phrases, uh, I feel like it's meant to be interpreted that way. I was going to say, like, even though it happens, like, video game canonically much later like to, to add on to the whole sonic is basically american like his favorite food is chili dogs and that is now canon yeah, that, <laughs> that's a, a again another case where the american ver the american version kind of influencing the uh japanese version you know retroactively to incorporate this thing that was never a thing in japan wasn't even as much of a thing in the uk but those cartoons are just so ingrained in, you know, everyone's understanding of classic Sonic in the Americas that it kind of just became this thing that everybody just accepted as being real. So they're like, yeah, okay, that's a minor thing that we can incorporate. There is one more. There is one more but a new aspect of the stories that we got in the adventure games that was a bit of a shock to me. Humans everywhere. As far as the eye can see, yeah. Sonic is now living in living on Earth, and technically speaking, he always has. But as far as we knew, he was living with all them furry folks. Well, depending on who you ask, these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about sorry, we're talking about us, and when we got when Sonic Adventure happened, like touche. Uh, us, us Westerners, <laughs> you know, us filthy Westerners. I guess even uh, stuff that came right before or like concurrent with sonic adventure because we got the uh the ova over here i think the same year and that has some like people characters but then like princess sarah has a tail yeah. so she's not um you know she's still the furry adjacent that was the other thing is that i can't remember if sonic adventure straight up says the planet earth i know uh sonic adventure 2 does oh yeah but yeah they're living in station square which is very much like a big metropolitan american city and sonic and friends seems to be like the only funny animal characters there and it's funny it's it's funny because like for the longest time the only human characters you'd get were villains because environmentalism themes and all that and humans are the true animals etc etc this is a kind of a different tangent but i've been on a weird i thought about this literally the other day for some reason but 
I'm starting to think that Station Square wasn't actually meant to be called Station Square. I assumed that when they said Station Square, they literally meant like the square around the train station and not that wasn't the (laughs) name of the city. And that for some reason they just adopted that as the name of the entire city, which feels weird to me. I absolutely agree. Like when you see what anything is called a Station Square in real life, it's just referring to one area in a city, not the whole thing. But then Sonic X comes along and it's like, hey, I guess it's Station Square, the uh, Pennsylvania. I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah, it's it's like literally just those, what, 10, 20 blocks that you have access to in the game. <laughs> yeah. That incorporates, yeah, where you get on the train and then like City Hall. <laughs> it's like naming your town the parking lot across from the Denny's. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, that's what I want my next Sonic game to be set. <laughs> What do you remember what your first reaction was when you heard the characters speaking in Sonic Adventure? I guess I guess we as English speaking folks probably played it first in English. Yeah. Um, Do you remember like because immediately it's, you know, uh, for for all of us who knew the cartoons, we Sonic started talking and it wasn't um, Julia White urkel yeah (laughs) um which i guess we might have expected since the also all the voices in the ova we got were different but i remember not really understanding like how things like actors actually worked in things and uh was yeah kind of surprised at first that you know he sounded much different i'll tell you what my initial reaction to hearing sonic speak was it was Oh, yeah, this is happening. (laughs) (laughs) When you're used to hearing one type of voice for Sonic, it can be anything else than what you're expecting. God, I don't even know. It was so long now. The first time I would have played Adventure would have been in, you know, like a demo kiosk at like a Circuit City or something. And I think I do remember myself being a little, like, surprised that he didn't sound like Jaleel. Because I hadn't seen the OVA by that point, but... The last thing I had seen would have been Underground, which would have come out like maybe a year or two before the game. And how so, that? <laughs> yeah, that that's still surreal. But like, I feel like you know that was fresh enough that in my mind Sonic still sounded like Jaleel White. So hearing somebody else doing the voice definitely would have been a little bit surprising in that context but at the same time you know this was me sitting in front of a dreamcast demo kiosk for five minutes or whatever not enough time for it to really sink in but and i would have been a little more spending time being amazed by oh my god this whale's chasing me what's going on why is there a big water monster and not really thinking as much about the voices or anything i do think i can safely say as a kid who watched lots of cartoons that by the time uh, Eggman does his big evil laugh after his uh, you-know-nothing fool line, that I was fully on board um, (laughs) as far as being like, okay, yes, this is a a new Sonic story, and uh, Eggman's already laughing up a storm. That particular laugh from the the late uh, Dean Bristow very much reminded me of Adventures of Sonic, uh, Robotnik just needed to roll his R's a little bit more. But aside from that, <laughs> yes. pretty, pretty on point. Yeah. 
this, this okay so this kind of goes into my personality especially to the point where like some of my friends would joke me that i like everything used to be kind of true not so much anymore i i've i've always been fine with the english voice cast of sonic adventure i think when i first heard it i was just like oh cool sonic speaking oh cool tails is speaking oh cool eggman is speaking and you know just it just like the initial excitement about that and then like over the years like i like i kind of like waxed and waned so to speak of like Oh, the voice acting acting's not that great. And then like it, like I, I kinda know some of the reasons why the voice acting's not that great, but I also am just like on board with it. I'm just like, you know what, these are the voices that I love for this game and I'm all about it. Like like whenever I hear Sonic go, Oh yeah, this is happening, I'm just like, Yeah, it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is that's happening, but it sure is. That's that's definitely got to be part of it. This was, uh, you know, at a time where like full voiceover, especially for like a translated game, was still kind of like a new thing. Yeah, uh, like it was around. Like, don't get me wrong, but it was. I think people, the people who were doing it at the time, were basically like coming up with the techniques that would evolve into like how it's done now. I do remember a. Uh, couple of years after just because i had played sonic adventure you know a hundred times over and over i remember switching the voices over to japanese just to see what it sounded like another one of those rest is history but like i fell in love with uh junichi kanemaru's sonic because uh like you said earlier it is such a uniquely cool Japanese performance. And the other thing about the Japanese cast is that, you know, for just sheer, through sheer, you know, the way that that industry works and everything else, it's the one that has been largely consistent throughout the years. So there's a level of familiarity you get there that you ultimately, unfortunately don't get to with the English language releases because those casts end up switching so often. So, you know, it's been Kanemaru consistently since Adventure. And, you know, aside from a few instances of recasting, either because they left the franchise or, you know, passed away or whatever have you, it's largely been the same actors in all Sonic media since Sonic Adventure. So it really did help to kind of set the tone for those characters for an entire audience. Yeah, they've been there for a long time. It's real. It's real cool. Still, like hearing them for all the throughout Sonic X and even now, and even in Sonic Boom, that's that's especially something. You know, gun to my head, there are several English Sonic voices that I like a lot, but I would say that uh, Kanemaru Sonic is like the archetype that I keep going back to, just because he's done it for the longest, and I really would be interested in learning like the development of it, but it's like he struck that tone and it has, you know, as far as I can tell, I'm I'm not a Japanese speaker, but like had that sonic tone like straight out the gate. I feel bad because I know that a lot of the issues that people have with the English voice performances in Sonic Adventure and that entire era ultimately come down to direction but i also feel bad because i know a lot of that was a bit out of the director's hands because of a lot of different factors you know the quality of the translation uh you know mandates from sega like i remember Lonnie manella had talked in an interview about how one of sega's mandates was that a child had to voice tales which is the reason why they had to get a new one every single game during that era 
because Sega wouldn't let them just, you know, get, you know, a female actress to play tales that they could just stick with for the long haul. It always had to be a kid. And they just kept aging out of the role. Which I'll make a a semi-controversial statement to saying the little kid that plays Tails in Japanese in the at least the adventure games I know of doesn't sound that good either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe that's part of the reason why the role was recast in ah, which the game was. It? I think it was either Adventure 2 or Heroes. But like the voice in Adventure is not the same voice from uh, like X and the later games. Yeah, I know it was X and Heroes where Tails' current actors stepped into the role. And I don't I don't think it's uh, they've changed since. A lot of it does, like you said, like come down to things that are just out of your hand. Like if, you know, at a studio, if they have a strict deadline, like if it's coming from Japan and if it's a translated line that might not make the most sense in natural flowing English, like there's a whole chain of command you have to go up to to clarify. And sometimes you just... Don't have the time for it. (laughs) And yeah, and that's why you have in in the the first Sonic Adventure game, Sonic Adventure 2, I think, might have a couple more of, yeah, things that you think back on, especially as a kid, like, wait, I don't, uh, that didn't make sense. (laughs) That story beat. (laughs) And I think a lot of it comes down to the era in which it was being recorded, just because it was, by and large, such a new thing. And I think that they hadn't really kind of figured out, like the industry in general hadn't really figured out what they were doing in terms of, you know, localizing video game voice acting for the most part. At the time, the biggest uh, anime over here was still Dragon Ball Z, and that has its own history of <laughs> localization choices, and it's 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 rough. It is definitely one of those things to where nowadays you look back and see that we have it real good as far as most uh, most like Japanese media over here. You know, not to insult the people who worked very hard on it. You mentioned Lani Manella, who was the uh, she was the voice director for those games and also played, uh, you know, ended up playing Rouge and a bunch of other characters. Uh, they definitely busted their butts, but uh, I think sometimes the localization was kind of looked at as an afterthought to be done on like the cheapest budget possible. It's kind of of the same era, but I always think back to like, you know, the localization for Shenmue, another Sega game that was coming out around that time, where you know they had one basically one English speaking actor <laughs> in America, and then everybody else for the most part was you know. The rest of the cast was all based in Japan and was being directed by people who did not necessarily have a full grasp of what sounds good in English. So it's like, does this sound like a read that would be good, you know, if it was being said in that same tone by a Japanese actor, that doesn't necessarily necessarily translate over to what sounds good in English. And I definitely do recommend look up interviews with, uh, like you said, Lonnie Manella. She talks about her uh, experience with the Sonic games. I think those are archived on Sonic Retro. You know, the Sonic site run by old people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> by the way, before we put a pin in the voice acting topic, um, just a little fun fact. Uh, did you know that um, Knuckles is famous? Oh no! Oh no! Line is not actually done by his voice actor in the game. Yes, really. I, I did know that. So that <laughs> I the story know. behind that is that Knuckles was recorded completely differently for like 
the demo they put out for, I want to say E3, E3 of 98 yeah. or 99. And the oh no. Oh no. In that comes from that version. Like you can look up, like people have gotten that demo disc from E3 and, you know, recorded that version. And if you load it up, Knuckles has completely different reads for that entire first cutscene, and that's where the oh no, oh no, comes from. Yeah, he actually emotes a little bit there. It's weird. Um, it's in that first cutscene where he's like, oh no, it's starting to happen. Without the Master Emerald's power, this whole island will fall into the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> they just like, they've cut that out of context. So now every time he gets hit, he's like, oh no, oh no, oh no. I did not know that. I knew <laughs> that. I knew that. I knew that the demo dialogue existed. I did not know that the famous "Oh no, oh no" is from that original demo. That is that is crazy. <laughs> See, folks, we're video. learning new things. Yeah. <laughs> if you look it up, there is a there is a mod for the PC version that lets you add those lines back to the game. So either download it for yourself or check it out on like YouTube or something because it is surreal if you've played Sonic Adventure as much as we have and <laughs> just hearing that for the first time. Yeah. I think that's a good way to end that particular part of the discussion. <laughs> um, by the way, <laughs> I, can, I can't believe we've gone this whole time without talking about Sonic's design. That is probably just as big as the, uh, you know, the these characters speaking uh, in the games now is, yeah, Sonic got a a redesign. He's taller and spikier, and he's got them big old green eyes. More handsome and wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the slender runner's build. Yeah, because I do remember. I guess the first time I saw it was that teaser for Sonic Adventure that was just like a pitch dark, you know, fully black page in a magazine, and it's Sonic's new smile and his green eyes uh, silhouetted. It's uh, very distinct. Um, yeah, I feel like <laughs> it's one. Of, it is a big cause of controversy amongst Sonic fans is the very fact that this new design exists. Although it does hold, it, it has a technical purpose behind it. I've been hearing that um, the longer quills and the making him taller is all to make it so you could actually see, like, um, see him on screen or something. It was, it was to make it easier to control him in 3D. That makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah, to go back to, like, Mario 64, um, I bet that was part of Sonic's design. Because you think of Mario is easier to break down into simple shapes because of all of, like, the contrasting colors with his overalls and his big hat and hair and mustache. But yeah, doing, a like, a little 3D Sonic... Um, even thinking of like Sonic R, uh, which is very like low to the ground. Um, and then Sonic Adventure, this, the camera's pulled out. And uh, I, I bet that was part of it. That makes a lot of sense. The specifically the Sonic Adventure like 3D models are uh, now me personally, I would say is like the perfect blend of like classic chubby sonic and new lankier green-eyed sonic it does feel like a transition between like the chunky sonic 3 sonic in particular sonic 3 and knuckles sonic yeah and uh, the modern design yeah i was like a little disappointed that they got rid of those in the dx version um because yeah the 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 chunky little like uh, muddy textures on the the original dreamcast sonic adventure i think are like just a really neat design. Like I, you could almost argue uh, that it is very different from like uh, the true modern Sonic of the past, you know, ten years or so. You know what I just thought of as far as like the the new design that 
as far as I can think of, they only did for Sonic Adventure. Uh, they they sort of did like a Miyazaki thing with Sonic, where there's a couple times in the, in Sonic Adventure where when Sonic emotes, uh, sometimes his quills will emote with him, like uh, <laughs> Tails, you're gonna crash, ah, and his quills go back. And you know, like the like the famous Miyazaki, like somebody gets angry or scared, and like their hair goes on frizzy. I I can't think. Yeah, I can't think of like another like 3D Sonic game where his quills emote too, and like that's an interesting choice for the game. And now that I think about it, I kind of wish that they would like sort of incorporate that. But that might also just look a little too goofy these days. I do like it though, compared to floppy sausage <laughs> quills hanging off Sonic in, in the modern day. Sausages. I know, I agree. I I I do like the although it's very like exaggerated in. Uh, you know, a lot of the times doesn't even fit the the dialogue they're saying. I do love how the characters emote in Sonic Adventure. Um, yeah, I would almost say that uh, Sonic's quills act like uh, you know a cat's ears. They yeah. kind of swivel and change with their expressions. Um, you're right. That is such a great point. That uh, is very uh, a very charming aspect of that. I, I think that extends to some of the other characters. I've seen a lot of artists that come across on Twitter that are like redrawing expressions. And one of them is Amy in Sonic Adventure. Um, one of her big expressions, uh, her mouth is uh, a funny like polygon shape. Oh, yeah. And I've seen people translate that into like a cute little kitty mouth. Yeah, I, 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 oh. I like I just saw that today. Yeah, there's a lot of charm in those those early polygon Sonics uh, and the mm-hmm. characters. And I feel like we've kind of lost that a little bit. Uh, one of those that really shined with like the the limitations i'm sure they were working with also um robotnik also got a big old change like that not we talked about his name but his design has been completely upgraded as well well you could say it's an upgrade some people might disagree but (laughs) i've always liked the modern uh robotnik design more than the classic one personally it's one of those it's it's one of those that i think was another culture shock because I know as far as I remember, like, uh, because of how Sonic was the, you know, the cool dude in those American cartoons that Robotnik was supposed to be like a big, ugly, fat guy. (laughs) And, you know, uh, in hindsight, that's a little mean. (laughs) But um, how, uh, yeah, the modern Robotnik is he's still egg shaped. Definitely for sure, but he's got those. What what are modern Eggman's pants? Are those, is that like <laughs> he's a, just wearing leggings? Is he wearing like a like a buttoned coat over like a full bodysuit? That, that was my interpretation <laughs> of oh, it. Man. Yeah, because I can kind of see like almost like the magician's outfit he's got as classic Eggman. There's sort of like elements of like there's definitely an elements of you know the and they they decided to like really lean into the fact that you need to know that this guy is makes robots and flies massive ships so they gave him like a pilot's outfit and they give the put the goggles on not even the goggles but like the what are you what are they even are those they're like engineers goggles actually i suppose on top of his head they're definitely goggles but like the goggles over the glasses kind of feels a bit much which is why i'm glad that they're mostly kind of used more of an accessory than as you know a functional implement it almost it reminds me of uh (laughs) it reminds me of like the episode of the venture brothers where he takes them to the mall to buy a crate of speed suits because that's all he wears like this is the outfit that dr eggman put together that he wears every day because (laughs) it serves the utility of what he needs it for he's working in the lab 
he doesn't care and it's just evolved into this weird red lab coat (laughs) there is definitely some functionality going on with his design here and that just makes me look back at his old design like so what was that (laughs) it's a little cape is it a little cape? I think that's what was going on with the original one. They play with it a lot in the OVA. That little yellow cape flutters all over the place. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think that as a kid, I never even realized that it was a cape. I thought it was just a pattern on his shirt. It might have been like a Sonic Drift piece of artwork or a Sonic R that is classic Eggman with his mouth wide open, his arms thrown akimbo like he is saying, ta-da! on the stage yes (laughs) that right there luke just pasted that in our chat and that was like the quintessential this is who uh, you know dr robotnik is yeah totally over the top little and and see again you know i think of that you know that's one of the images i think of as classic robotnik but again just look at that image i just assume he has a really big yellow collar i don't think that's what i always thought yeah Yeah. Yeah. it was it was was, almost like teeth like it's a yeah he's he's a little bit mean you know (laughs) or or it's meant to you know be a joke on Eggman and it makes it look like walrus teeth (laughs) yeah yeah. uh, I will say now I look at this design I definitely see his lower half does look like an egg cup with those little spindly legs yeah yeah I actually like the addition of the goggles as long as they like stay on the top of his head because the goggles fill in like negative space in a good way because like it, it, like if you if you look at this if you try to look at this like modern version of Eggman without goggles or if you even just like look think of like the first cutscene from Sonic Adventure Two where he has the goggles on while he's shooting oh yeah the, so yeah nice. yeah it looks his <laughs> he's got a big old polygon yeah bald his head. like his bald head does not look good in three D and so I think the goggles just they fill in the space really well like you still know he's bald yeah. but like there's just something there and I mean like of course you know I will say there's no shade to being bald because. I feel I feel like as a culture we're past like the whole oh you're bald <laughs> kind of thing. Absolutely. But like yeah. yeah. But like I was bald for a while. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that too. But um if from a, like an art standpoint uh I I think and especially from 3D art like I think it fills in the negative space very well and it's just a welcome addition. I'm sorry but this image that you've shown me of Sonic Adventure 2 the screenshot where he's got the goggles down does look very muppet like when you present <laughs> yeah, it. Like, little Stat Laura Waldorf esque. It looks like the top of his head is about to flap open. <laughs> he's, basically, he's basically Dr. Honeydew with facial hair. <laughs> I think the only other like major redesign, like Tails and Knuckles are still relatively close to what they were originally, you know, other than, I mean, we, we'll get into the debate of Knuckles' color another time, but uh, <laughs> I think Amy's the only other one that really got a significant new look for adventure and, you know, I I think I like modern Amy's look better than classic Amy. Maybe that's just because I've, you know, it's kind of become the codified Amy design in my head because it's been around for so much longer. The only argument I would put up, and to be transparent, this is because yeah. I've only started reading them uh, the, in the past year or so, is the, I like the classic Amy design, but specifically with how Sonic the comic decided to just draw her with <laughs> crazy like backward spikes because of one like uh the misinterpretate misinterpreting a piece of art i'm glad you said that <laughs> i do uh like her modern design because it differentiates her from like the other hedgehog characters She's not uh, just girl sonic and I, I, I do love the classic de- i i think i've like come to really like the classic amy design a bit more now 
with some of her recent depictions in the like the comics and cartoons that we've been seeing but um mm-hmm. the mod I, the modern design is an upgrade it's just but only if only if you interpret amy as the character she is now and i've gotten used to that uh obviously my like the the, the amy that you mentioned just now jeremy the one that I grew up with in the comics is significantly different from the Amy that we got here. Yes. Even in other media like the Archie comics, Amy was such a, I mean, yeah, you already said it. She was literally just a girl Sonic and not even Sonic if he was a girl, but just girl Sonic, a girl hedgehog that hung around. Yeah, she was the most bit of bit players. Did not really have a personality aside from Sonic the comic. Um, until adventure, which I I think that's definitely a subject to go deep down into. Well, as much as a bunch of uh, cis guys can talk about, <laughs> but how yeah, how uh, Amy's characterization uh, has changed for the better and okay, worse in the game. Just making games. a note on the side here: Amy Rose episode. Bring on female guest. Okay, oh, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But yeah, I do, I do, I do like Amy's modern design. Um, her, I don't even know what you would call that. Almost hoop skirt like dress that defies all logic. <laughs> <laughs> you would think probably is stiff like that because of early 3d technology but then it has continued to be like that (laughs) throughout uh all modern media yeah i do remember uh people thinking some people who like didn't know better thinking that she was just straight up an echidna because she's got that uh her hair teased down oh yeah yeah and kind of the like knucklesy dreadlock kind of look to it they also tails her nose a little bit uh it's flat now as opposed to yeah sticking out by sonic's I wonder. I wonder if that's that's interesting. That's another like. Oh well, you know, we don't want the girl's nose to be all pointy like the boys. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want it to protrude like. Anyway, let's moving on. Uh... <laughs> oh my. Uh, well, I think we've definitely ended up just talking about um, you know all of the impacts uh whether they were immediately like good or neutral of sonic adventure i definitely think people should go play sonic adventure uh properly quote unquote if they never have uh because that PC version they have can be modded to be as close to the Dreamcast game as possible, and it runs on anything. Yes, like you will. It's so good. You you'll be able to run that you know full resolution, sixty frames per second on a, you know just about any computer you could put it on. And I really think people will be able to go back, and it might not be as bad as they've heard or remembered. Um, you know, we didn't talk a ton about, like, the gameplay, but... We barely talked about the game itself. We're <laughs> yeah. talking about all the stuff that's, <laughs> that everyone else talks about. Um, but yeah, I know we, we didn't talk a ton about the, the gameplay, um, because I think I, I just want people to kind of experience it for themselves instead of, um, you know, just watching videos and, you know, I'm not dogging on anybody who's made a funny video of how glitchy Sonic Adventure can get, but yeah, I do, I do think people should like give it a shot. It's usually like $2 on steam and it takes maybe a, you know, uh, an hour or so investment on how learning how to put the mods together. But um, I think it might hold up better than than people think it is. I revisited it uh, recently on a uh, my personal Dreamcast um, and the modded PC version. And 
I do admit, as far as with a lot of Sonic stuff I experienced as a kid, I can never put away that, like, warm, fuzzy nostalgia <laughs> as far as, like, you know, my hands still know those levels, like, with my eyes oh, closed. Man, yeah. Like, I, I can't set that aside, and I, under, I understand that. But I do think um, it holds up better than than people think. And so, yeah, I hope I hope people give it a shot. I think Sonic Adventure is a pretty nice transition to 3D. Yeah, yeah. like I think I think that if they were to remake Sonic Adventure or potentially even make a new one in that style, there's definitely stuff I would want them to change or update, like particularly the way like one of my biggest issues with adventure is kind of the way collision works in that game where I'll find myself kind of clipping up against a slope in a weird way that causes me to lose my momentum. And, you know, that, that might just be like, you know, a quirk of the hardware and just the game, the era the game was made that the kind of thing that they could probably fix these days. But like, I think that there is still a solid framework there and I would love. I hope that you know, either through fan projects or official games, that you know, I'm not one of those people who <laughs> will constantly say Sonic Adventure three because I think those people really need to take a breath. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I think nice I think that there is still you know a lot of value in the way Sonic Adventure approached 3D Sonic, and I would love to see a real evolution of that. Yeah. Here's my thought about it. We could do a re- like a, a new version, a remade Sonic Adventure, but maybe have some of the alternate game modes, like, you know, maybe the fishing minigame and the, the shooty game. Be yeah, like, we, uh, we barely so even be... talked about that. Yeah. But have those as, like, side things? Like, things you could do on your own, like, if you choose to do them? Uh, just make them, like, su- submissions, if you will? Uh, I'm, I'm basically just thinking, what if we made this into, like, a Yakuza-style game, where you've got, like, side yeah, stuff? Yeah, that would have- <laughs> Oh my goodness! The, the, this is the next. This is the next step after Frontiers goes full open world. Oh man! Yeah, oh man! It goes full yakuza. <laughs> Just goes does some karaoke, manages a cabaret club. I say that jokingly, but I actually want that. Now. <laughs> I, I need to check and see if those mods exist. Oh gosh! Yeah. And I, I definitely, I definitely echo everybody else saying like, I think the prime ways to play the game are Dreamcast and. Um, and PC with mods because I've played both and like especially I have the Sonic DX on Steam with mods so I could actually it is the director's cut version but it the graphics were overhauled to look like the original Sonic Adventure and that just makes me happy on the inside um, yeah but I also yeah. and it's it's much easier than you would think oh it yeah is. Uh, most of the the modding community has basically done it yeah. for you <laughs> and you can pick and choose the parts that you want to keep and not have I think we'll get into a more of a deep dive of like story stuff in another episode like and the because uh, Sonic story boy there's so much we could say oh, about yeah. this because um, this is the mm-hmm. first big narrative Sonic game and I'm sure we'll get into the tropes that were established in this game alone in future episodes I feel like it was good to for this this first outing to talk about a lot of our like feelings of what you know experiencing Sonic Adventure as this new era dawning era of Sonic as a whole. Yeah, I agree. Um, this has been a feel good podcast. It's more about the feeling than the actual game itself. Although we have gotten into a little bit of that, there's plenty of time to talk about that. Yes. I look forward to getting into it. <laughs> yeah, because we hopefully uh, this will be like a regular thing. Um, we want to keep going and do other uh, discussions. We mentioned uh, a great um, follow up to this one would be talking about 
uh, Sonic Adventure 2 uh, and its impact. And definitely uh, we mentioned, was it the start, at least in the games, of the self-serious but uh, beloved uh furry soap opera drama (laughs) (laughs) uh that sonic stories uh seem to no matter what the medium eventually tend to fall into i think i think it was kind of laying the framework but i think sonic adventure 2 is the one that codified it which we will definitely get into next time but uh that'll do it for the um first episode of the hill is always greener um i have been falero and uh, you can find me online and uh, at falero on twitter um and i've been uh game buddy uh you can follow me on twitter at great job jeremy uh that is great gr and the number eight uh i've been rock the jake you can find me on just the different socials instagram twitter etc at rock the jake as far as current projects um like i said earlier at the beginning of the show i am on youtube and uh these days i mostly do a lot of uh, i do drum covers i'm trying to get back into that a little bit more i'm cyberlink you can find me on twitter at cyberlink 420 i'm assuming that if you're listening to this you already watch sonic f uh we are still working on the sonic adventure stuff that's going to be a while but hopefully this will help you uh kind of tide you over until that's ready and uh, outside of this, I also work on the Transformers Wiki, where we do have a Sonic the Hedgehog article, two of them actually. So you can find that over at tfwiki.net. Our theme song is Green Hill Zone from the album Gotta Go Slow by Amy Waters. You can find more of her music at Amy Waters Music, that's A M I E, on Twitter, Bandcamp, and other streaming platforms. I think what we wanted to do is we wanted to. Uh, in the show with a quote from one of the many Sonic universes that have appeared in various uh, medias out there. Our sort of Sonic-y final Yahoo, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I think that sounds about right. Um, uh, I'm glad that we explained it this time, so going forward, we can uh, do this without context and surprise everyone. So, um, <laughs> yes. so I've been Falero. I'm Rotha Jake. I'm Game Buddy. I'm Cyberlink. And this has been The Hill is Always Greener. And <clears throat> haven't I already ruined your life? <laughs> <laughs> what a good way to end this first episode. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.